Like Skivvies, Curb Your Enthusiasm is back. But is it as pretty, pretty, pretty good as we'd hope? Let's find out. Also, TV gets weird with Medical Police. Chris goes into the vault for a Richard Pryor movie. Look out, we're getting cancelled real soon. Oh, and Dan fights back for our woke cred with a new immigration anthology show called Little America. We have a theme song. Let's hit it. Hi, Dan. Oh, Chris. How are you? Look, it's a pleasure. Um, it's great to be back on the Always Be Watching podcast, a little podcast where we uh, get together, talk about things that we've seen, try and excite each other about the uh, various movies and television shows we have watched um, based on conversations we have had for the last 10 years turned into podcast form. At least that's how I see our podcast. What do you think? Oh, look, Chris, I mean, I see the podcast in a different way. <laughs> really? I mean, Excellent. It's, it's similar. But look, here's the way I would, if I'm out on the street, people are like, Dan, are you doing that podcast? I'm like, yeah, doing the podcast. I'm like, what's it about? I've heard about it, but I don't really quite get it. This is how I usually explain it to people. Let's say the electricity's gone out. Mm-hmm. It's the hottest day of the year. Terrible. Okay, you're sitting around, you've got your singlet on, you've got your tidy whities okay, you're looking at your family. Please don't tell people how I live. <laughs> your family, this is the story of everyone. Oh, sure. This is the story of the 90 percenters. Right, excellent. You know, not my 10%, but, you know, the others. <laughs> the others, yeah. Okay, you're sitting around in your tidy whities your singlet, you're looking at your family, they're sweating, like, it's just a real miserable scene inside, but you don't really want to go outside because, like, it's hotter out there it's than even it is worse. inside. Exactly. Like, and you don't want to let the cool air that you got inside from the aircon you've had blasting for the last 15 hours out, environmentally sound. But you're thinking, look, is it just our house has the power, like, the switch gone? So, like, you go and play around with the switch, and you're like, eh, but you you want confirmation. Yes. So, you step a little bit further out to look across the street. Like, maybe there's, like, another house nearby with electricity. Maybe there's something you can do here. But there isn't. And then, suddenly, you hear the voice of your neighbor, that annoying old guy from next door, who pops his head over the fence, and you're like- Wilson. Is Wilson. that his name? <laughs> <laughs> thank, uh, thank you, Chris. You stood on it entirely. <laughs> Sorry, mate. But anyway, you're talking to Wilson and you're struggling for conversation. And even knowing it's going to be a lengthy conversation about young Sheldon, you say, Wilson, what have you been watching on TV? And this is what we try to capture those conversations neighbors have over the fence. Excellent. Uh, we are kind of neighbors. Yeah. At least for the, a little while. Yeah, about a suburb apart. Yeah. Uh, until I move town next week. Um, is this because of me? <laughs> that's more, to, more than enough information about me that anyone wants. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by asking you, Dan. Yes, sir. What have you been watching? Look, I've watched a lot of things in the last seven days. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of television. Most of it good. Excellent. Okay. I wanted to talk to you about the movie Stakeout. <laughs> the Emilio Estevez, uh, Richard Dreyfus. Oh, my God. I wish you... I wish. Can you do the female lead as well? <sighs> Unfortunately, embarrassingly, no. Uh, that would be one Madeline Stowe. I was going to say Kelly LeBrock. <laughs> You're thinking of weird science. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy, easy mistake to make. But anyway, I'm not going to talk about no. stakeout. I'm going to hold off for a couple of weeks' time so I can track down another stakeout. Excellent. And then we can do a double feature there. Excellent. But instead, I'm going to focus on the brand new TV show from Apple TV Plus called Little America. Welcome to the White House. Congratulations, everybody. I saw some of the words that you spelled, and I know I could never spell those words. (laughs) You are all so very impressive. Why don't we go around the circle, and you could tell me your name and where you're from. Let's start with you. It's okay, honey, just, what's your name? Kabir. Kabir Jaw. Well, hello, Kabir. 
Where are you from? Dear Miss First Lady Laura Bush, it is a great honor to be here with you, but I must ask for you to help me. My parents have both been sent back to India while they are awaiting asylum here in the United States. They have already been gone for more than a year, and I miss them. And they are good people. You must believe me, and please, I know you are a good woman. Can you please help me get them back? Sincerely, Kabir Jock. Dear, I'm so sorry you're going through this. Can you help me? Well, you see, these things, they're very complicated, and then they just sometimes take a long time. That's what everyone says. Why don't you write a letter to my office? Chris, do you know Little America at all? Uh, no. Because being an Apple TV Plus show, I appreciate the word may not have gotten out. <laughs> no, and, and I have... Uh, no, um, Apple TV is not something I've had the luxury of delving into yet at all, really. Yeah, well, you're an Android guy, so your opportunities to you know, get into it a little bit... In, yeah, it's restricted. I did, you know, but we've got a lot of Apple stuff in our house, and I couldn't. Um, what I found outrageous was that I couldn't um, Chromecast from my Apple, or my partner's Apple phone to our Chromecast to watch the Apple TV on our television, despite the fact that using that Apple phone, we can Chromecast every other streaming service. Can I ask a question? Mm hmm. Uh, let's say you want to play a Nintendo game. <laughs> I don't believe... Let's say you want to play a Nintendo game. <laughs> would you expect a... to be able to play the Nintendo game with your PlayStation controller? But why would Apple stop me from using their service by limiting the access to the Chromecast when literally every other streaming service that I can download onto the Apple phone won't will work that way? I would also say that every other streaming service you've been talking about here have been around for a number of years and not just, what, 12 weeks at this point. <laughs> okay, think about Amazon. They took about three years to allow for Chromecast support. And also, right. Apple are a hardware company that want to sell their Apple TVs enough, and their software proprietary thing called AirPlay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah. But anyway, whatever. Let's get to a little TV show <laughs> called Little America. Sure. A show that you would probably really quite like, Chris. Uh, this is a anthology show from one Kamal Ninjar. <laughs> one Kamal Ninjani uh, you know him from Silicon Valley I love him you know him from his film The Big Sick love him uh, he's teamed up with his wife who was the inspiration and co-writer on The Big Sick is this what he got buff for? no that oh. was for I think like a Guardians of the Galaxy movie or Whoa, something he looks amazing no he's doing uh, oh gosh I can't think of the name but it's a Marvel film is he buff in this? Uh, no, he's not actually in this. He just co-created. Oh, he's not in it at all. Oh, yeah. excellent. All right, but go on. I also wonder how actively involved he is in the show, because while he's seen as the creative force behind this, all the episodes are written by different people and directed mm. by different people. But the real person to pay attention to it isn't Kamal. It's not his wife, Emily Gordon. But the person to maybe pay attention to is the third co-producer of this, Alan Yang. He's the guy that worked on uh, Master of None. Ah, yes. Okay, and he's the one that really sort of brought a lot of the like real like character and heart to that program. Yeah, well, which is a fantastic program. Yeah, that's very. Uh, yeah, all right. I mean, I mean, tell me a bit more. Get me, get me more in. Okay, so the whole idea of it is that every episode's about half an hour ish long. 
Uh, it's pretty much, it's an anthology show, but every story is based around the idea of an immigrant who's living in the United States and some sort of experience that they've gone through and how their culture and their position within American society is framing their position in life and what they want to do. So I've watched the first two episodes. The first episode centers around a kid. He's like a precocious little kid, like maybe about like, say, 10, 12 years old. His parents run a fairly rundown motel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the parents get deported. Mm, bad okay. news. Uh, so it's set in the like early 2000s. Okay. So they get deported and they're heading back to India, but they think they'll be able to reapply to come into the United States. They just get the paperwork right. Anyway, that takes a number of years. <laughs> but the time period that we see is just shortly after the deportation has taken place. And it's this kid who's running the hotel by himself. He's got his uncle, who, like an uncle. I don't know if he's actually like an uncle, but he's like a local guy who's looking after him but he's not really looking after him he's using the motel for free accommodation right. and he's just letting the kid run the hotel and do whatever excellent so you've got that going on and then this show jumps forward a couple of years to see what life's been like for this teenager having started out as like this precocious kid who had so much potential in the world to being saddled with the burden of having to run like the family business by himself as a kid yeah. okay and like where that takes you spiritually and mentally like seven or eight years from then this sounds like an, almost an original story. Yeah. This is, this is almost a story I haven't heard before, maybe. I've not really seen this on TV before. There's a scene in this American TV program where they're out in a car park playing cricket. I've never seen that in wow, an American show no, before. definitely not. That's fantastic. Yeah. But anyway, it's like a really unique thing. And all the stories in it are based on true stories. So there was a magazine, which I've neglected to write the name of it down. But in this magazine, it was lots of stories like this being published. And so they've mined this magazine to bring these stories back to life. This uh, is very interesting. Yeah, the second episode has a young woman. She's, uh, you know, uh, Mexican. Well, her mother uh, is Mexican. I think she's maybe lived her entire life in the US. I'm not too sure. But they don't really have any money to speak of. So the mother works as a maid cleaning houses around the place. Uh, she has been given the privilege of continuing her high school education because her brother has dropped out of his school so that they can afford to be able to keep right. sending her to school. But she doesn't take it seriously and just treats it as a bit of a joke. She's a bit of a troublemaker at school. But this uh, sign comes like her way where it says that you can get some free sneakers if you go to the local gymnasium and sign up to play squash. Right. So anyway, she rocks up to start playing squash and she's just doing it to get the free sneakers and treats it like the joke that she thinks it is. But there's a guy who sees her and he's like a coach at the squash court and he's like, you know, it's not a joke and if you want your sneakers, you have to come back next week and you can keep on using your sneakers if you come back and play squash. Ah. Her friend who came along treating it like a joke, she doesn't turn up for the second week, but this girl comes back the second week and she's still treating it like a joke, but there's something about it that kind of connects with it for her. And he said, look, I was just lying. You can keep the sneakers, but you should keep on coming back anyway. And she finds a sense of purpose in herself through playing squash, the sense that you can um, like better yourself, that you can create focus and concentration, yeah, yeah. and just the ability to skill yourself up. And you see through this that she ends up... Like, you can kind of see where it's going. Yeah, I'm not yeah. going to spoil it entirely. But anyway, she betters herself, and it's an interesting... Like take on that. You've kind of seen this story before, but it's still it's kind of nice. And Look, it's, it very sounds watchable. excellent. You don't see a lot of squash. No, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, um, it's great, and I imagine there's some. I, I imagine it's humorous. It's, look, it's like I laughed out loud a number of times. More in the second episode than the first one, but that's the thing with an anthology as well. They're all different vibes, different types of stories. Yeah. Some will be deathly sad. I can tell this. You can see that coming like, already. I, I can see <laughs> yeah, my heart's yeah. going to be aching at some point. 
And I will say, I was very concerned going into it that, because there's a lot of very critical conversation around it. Yeah. And I saw the way that a lot of critics were framing their conversation, which is that thing that I absolutely hate, which is these are important stories that right, need to right. be told. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as soon as you hear that phrase that this is important and there's like yeah. weight on it, suddenly it takes all the energy of the, the vibrancy that one has in a life and just sucks it out because it feels like school then. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's the worst thing in the world. And so I saw lots of critics talking about how important it is and how great it is to see these sorts of stories out there. And I really didn't expect to enjoy this show very much, but I sat down and just enjoyed it for what it is. And in a lot of ways, it reminded me of High Maintenance. Yeah, I was going to ask whether yeah, it had a... a HBO anthology show about a weed dealer and the various lives that he intersects with along yeah. the way. And the way this is framed is a lot like that. Excellent. Okay, and that show is something which delves in some very sad areas at times. Totally, and yeah, yeah. Wildly funny moments and just great character moments. Um, so if you're interested in something a little bit more grounded, definitely give this a look. I think it's... No, it's really, really quite good. Do we have a uh, do our Apple TV releasing this as a weekly thing, or does it a, is it a batch that we can watch? All so this is a show they've released as a batch. Excellent. Which I actually think is a bit of a mistake releasing oh, an anthology right. as a batch. Yeah, that's an interesting take on it because because it's not sort of the thing you just like where you need to keep watching the next episode after yeah. another, and it's more to yeah, and pep, it's sort of thing you can drop out. away from. Whereas I think that an anthology you have to send a mental sort of reminder for yourself saying yeah. I want to come back to this thing that I enjoyed yeah. and see what that new adventure is. Cool. All mm. right. Well, um, I look forward to watching that one day when I get all the necessary Apple, proprietary <laughs> Apple uh, hardware, which will be never. Hey, Chris, you watch some stuff. <laughs> I did watch what some stuff. What have you stuff. watched? Uh, I, it seems timely uh, with it just being so recently broadcast over the last week after much anticipation to finally see uh, season 10, episode one of Curb Your Enthusiasm. What the hell is going on here? Is she bothering you, Mr. Yeah, Lewis? Yeah, she's bothering me. Oh, really? Yeah, really. You know what, Larry? Get out. Huh. This is what it's come to. You're banned. For life. I never want to see you in here again. Is that so? Yes. You're banned. Banned. Get out. With pleasure. Mark my words, Mocha Joe. And mark them well. I don't know how, and I don't know when. But I will exact vengeance. As God is my witness, I will bring you to the brink of extinction, or I will die trying. Happy New Year, Mocha Joe! Happy New Year, Larry! Hey, Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year. Chris, a new Curb season, it's a nervous time. You sit down, you haven't seen it for what could be anywhere between a year to nine years. <laughs> yes. Uh, this time it's only been, what, two and a half years between seasons? I think so. Or 20 minutes ago since the last time I watched old episodes. But um, Did you go from season nine no, to ten? I haven't watched it all again, to be honest, but I did watch, I've watched season nine a couple of times and the last time was last year. So it all feels a bit fresher. I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast. Maybe it was just to you as a person. <laughs> like, I hadn't watched season nine. Yeah, that's right. You did say that. Have you caught up? I did. Yeah. So I spent the last week watching nothing but Curb Your Enthusiasm. It was very good, right? It was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty good. Uh, did you know my wife finds Larry David to be a bit annoying? That's amazing. I have a similar problem with my partner. I can't imagine why. Yeah. Um, it's weird because it's pretty, pretty... <laughs> What's annoying? Pretty good. What's annoying about this guy? Yeah. He's just a, a dude, hates the world, hates people, hates everything. No, she actually likes him. She doesn't like the show. That's very odd. Yeah, I don't know. Look, uh, first five minutes out of the bat, I'm pretty much rolling around on the floor in laughter, <laughs> high five in Invisible Larry in my head. 
just being grateful at him. I, f- I felt empowered to, uh, you know, get get mad about stuff again. I feel like I've, the, the, the world's in such a state of horror that, you know, you focus on the big horrible things that are happening in the world and it really distracts you from the boring, <laughs> the everyday things that are really, really annoying that are worth getting angry about. It's like the show gives you permission. It does give you permission to at least get a little bit enraged by it. Um, so here's what I liked about the opener. Because it opened in a way that we haven't really seen Curb before, in that it was Larry and Leon, his <laughs> yes. house, uh, house guest, of the last 12 years at this point. <laughs> yes, quite a while. He's been living there. It's been a while. Uh, they're walking down the street, and you don't usually see that as like a, like a, like a long take on no. enthusiasm. It's like the two of them walk around, and Larry's being annoyed by all the people <laughs> around him. The highlight being when he walks past a young couple with a selfie stick, tourists on the road just taking some photos of them in LA, and he just walks past, grabs the selfie stick, snaps it over his knee, and hands it back to them. It's the you know it's it's always been said that you know the main the main reason Larry wanted to do it was so he could exercise all those demons that um you know the, the so he could enact the fantasies of uh you know really rev- taking his revenge on the petty annoyances of every day that he doesn't necessarily get to do in real life. Well, he's talked about the show being a superhero show, <laughs> and that he's the superhero. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I got to say, he came out of there. He came out flying very hard at the start of the episode, um, and I loved. I, I loved the way it set up. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how much we'll get into the stories. It set up two stories that are obviously going to be over the arc, or at least one. But I'm pretty sure two. Yeah. Um, it it uh, and even if they don't arc, it'll be back at some point. It had the uh, fantastic. It had some really great callback characters. Um, how much are we going to spoil? Does, does this count as spoilers? I don't know. It's curb your enthusiasm. Yeah. No, exactly. So we're, we're lucky to see the um, uh, the return of Mocha Joe, yep. one of Larry's most excellent nemesis, uh, who was who was that really annoying dude off Becca. I can't even remember his yeah, name. Yeah, I was trying to think of his name. I want to say the character. I want to say it was Joe, but it's not Joe because <laughs> it's Mocha Joe, Joe. But he was just okay. he's just so excellent, um, and probably the highlight of Becca if if there is such a thing. Oh, which is Ted Danson. I hadn't thought yeah. about that connection there. That's probably how that happened, right? <laughs> Um, Ted's back, of course. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other Richard, some great Richard Lewis stuff. Can, can I ask you something here? Now, obviously, with seasons nine and ten, like they want to keep Larry's ex-wife in the like, yeah, show, yeah, like yeah. they want to keep her around, and it sort of seems to me like maybe uh, Ted Danson's lovely wife, whose name's dropped out of my Mary mind, Mary Steenburgen, Mary Steenburgen, like maybe she didn't want to do the show as much anymore. Yeah, I yeah, I'm not sure. But yeah, like they've written a storyline in where Ted Danson is now <laughs> dating Cheryl. That didn't happen in season nine, did it? I it was season nine. Oh, at it the did happen at the be- at the beginning, right? Yeah. And so Mary's just gone. Do they mention where what like happened Mary, to Mary? Mary does a brief appearance a telephone call right and it's larry asking if she'd go out on a date with him (laughs) if cheryl was dating ted (laughs) maybe those two makes sense right yeah and if you remember how the show started it started because he had a crush on mary that's right yeah yeah um yeah no i'm I'm, i don't know she definitely obviously wanted to step back maybe i think (laughs) there uh as opposed to anything i don't know why would you want to do that anyway um but yes i've very much enjoyed that side storyline it's great seeing giving larry another reason to hate ted yeah uh, one and of his one of his best friends <laughs> and now larry's sleeping with cheryl again it's just incredible stuff um here's the thing i love larry david but there's no way i'm going from ted Danson to larry <laughs> i think i think cheryl subs it up very well in that you know uh i, I loved her to talk about what she finds attractive about larry as it makes her feel like a better person <laughs> Whereas next to Ted, who's an angel, um, no one can compete. 
Um, yeah, it's just I, th- I thought it was fantastic. The first episode of the season is always a little bit. It's always got a little bit, little bit of setup, a little bit of story. So maybe it's a bit lighter on the the gags and the laugh out loud stuff. Mm. But but I really feel like they came out so strong with the. Um, with him and JB Smooth on the street, just so you got instant puns there, you got instant gratification to Larry taking his revenge on citizens. So, what are our two plots for the year? We've got Mocha Joe. Mocha Joe. We've got Mocha Joe. So, Larry has opened a cafe right next door to Mocha Joe's new cafe to try yep. and drive him out of business. Latte Larry's. Latte Larry's. And um, the other one is, of course, basically this plot line from the uh, Simpsons episode where with the gummy Venus de Milo. Where, I, th- I think it's actually maybe something happening in a real world, Chris. <laughs> where um, the way it was, I, I feel like the way it was, um, I feel like the way it's being played out is very, uh, you know, it's going to piss a lot of people off. Um, and it was very much reminiscent of that episode. Uh, so Larry's being me too'd because yes. he wanted some pigs in a blanket that a young hostess was serving at a party. The and she Venus thought that he was eyeing her off like throughout the thing. Yes. So, uh, yes, making light of the Me Too movement uh, is certainly going to go down well. Um, I, uh, I look, it's just, it's, I mean, there are so many things to be uh, offended about by previous seasons of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, well, if, last I season like, had the fatwa. I feel like he's raising the bar a bit in that regard. I don't know. Um, but I, 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 I don't I, and I, it'll be interesting to see how heavy, heavily they lean on that storyline. I don't know how far you can go with it. But the, um, Look, the storyline I expected a little bit more from, and it ties into that Me Too, and maybe we're going to see more of this as the season goes on, is the more than a passing resemblance that <laughs> an unshaven Jeff has to one Harvey Weinstein. It's so good. So, yeah, uh, th- I mean, that was that's particularly a, a brilliant aspect of it, and yeah, I think we'll... Um, that that joke's that coming back. Yeah, yeah. We're going to see a little bit more of that. Um, but look, I think the thing that I really got so- excited about was just the pace of it, just how classic Larry it was, how... It's um there was a there was an introduction of a new uh, <laughs> a new social um what's the word to use a new social uh, construct uh, being the um, the big goodbye uh, which yep. is a very Seinfeld very you know Larry uh, way of watching the world by th- and and participating in the world through these uh, little things that he invents um, to help deal with society a bit better. Yeah, it's like a societal gesture. So the big goodbye being, you know, when you see someone at a party or at an event and you avoid them for the whole time. And because then you don't you, want to talk to them. Because you don't want to talk to them. So then when you're on the way out, you do a big, hey, I can't believe I'm leaving now. Kind of goodbye. Very, very, very funny. We've he, all done it. He big goodbyes. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? From Phil, 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 is it uh, Phil? Phil, Phil Rosenthal. Phil from, Rosenthal. Uh, create, well, co-creator of Everybody Loves Raymond. And, um, and and it seems to be like and also uh, of course also controversially uh, Larry uh, gets pretty heavily involved in the MAGA movement um, by per, <laughs> by the way of wearing a Make America Great Again hat as a way to repel people. Now Fizz Ro- in L.A. Phil Rosenthal, have you seen a show that's on Netflix called Somebody Feed Phil? No, but I heard them talking about it, and now I'm very curious. Do you have you seen it? Well, it started out as a PBS program, and I can't remember the original name of the show. It's something. But they've rebranded it as Somebody Feed Phil. And it's basically him just going around to different countries, just eating stuff he wants to eat. He's a big foodie. and yeah, you know, He's a very charming person. And I quite enjoy watching the program. Yeah, right. But I will say, because, you know, he was always talking about food. And I hear him on podcasts talking about the food that he likes. And he'll occasionally give recommendations of places to go. And I don't think this was on any of the shows. I think it was a podcast recommendation. Uh, he was talking about this ice cream place in New York. And I thought, I'm going to go to this ice cream place. And it was like an ice cream store, like in a big department store. I can't remember where it was exactly. 
But like I went there and like it was about five minutes before they were supposed to shut for the day and they said, sorry, tools closed. <laughs> so I never got to have Phil's recommendation. How would Larry have dealt with that moment, I think? He would have been uh, outraged. Not well. He would have been outraged. I was outraged as well, but I didn't want to create a scene. I was a visitor from a strange country in a strange land. Uh, so it could be said that we are, you know, we're, we're, we're becoming old men, Dan. I don't want to break it to you. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, more and more... Uh, Larry is a bit of a, uh, a a vessel for which we can uh, view the world and see it in ways that uh, maybe uh, make it uh, funny, and I'm grateful for that. Here's what I'm interested in: at the end, like the season finale of this season, mm-hmm. is going to be episode 100. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. So I don't know if it's going to go out in a big way. We're gonna, like, uh, yeah, is, is 100 going to be the end? He looks old. He does look old. He does look very, older. Yeah, yeah. I'd really yeah. noticed that. And, and, and I, I also can't, you know, we've rattled it all off, but I can't believe how much they crammed into that episode. Like, it was really, it was really fast. It was really packed. Anyway, great stuff. Look, the thing that kind of got me was that, and you mentioned because he's wearing the MAGA hat, this is the first time that we've really seen, like, Trump's American yes, play a role true. in Curb. So, while the last season took place in that first year of the Trump presidency, like, this is the first one to really talk about that cultural impact of that taking place. Yeah, and, and I also felt like they were really trying to make it... They're, they're trying to set it now. It was it felt very like now, like there was all the, you know, um, the rules about when you, <laughs> when you can say Happy New Year to someone, which I remember yeah. from... That's a Elaine Bennis um, bitch in an episode of Seinfeld where she um, gets Happy New Year in... February or something, and she's like, "What the hell are these people?" And they then they have that conversation. Um, Classic, bit of a retread there, but I love that too. Uh, it was probably no shock that I was going to like it. I'm a bit of a apologist for Larry, but yes, fantastic stuff. Sorry, what, what is that to apologise for? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, Kirby and Susan, season ten. We got ten more weeks of, or nine more weeks of uh, happiness to come. Thank you, Larry. Dan, I know you kind of just been watching uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm season nine last week because that would have only been nine hours of television, and that's only about a tenth of your weekly television viewing. Um, and even with a whole new season of an Apple TV show, what else have you been watching? I got a lot going on. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I've had going on is a show called Medical Police. Director Patton, Agent McIntyre, just what the hell is going on down there? We're following the outbreak, sir. Yeah, well, you know what they say, when you follow something, you make, you make an, an ass, ass out of you, out of and, you and, me. and me. Yes, sir. And we cannot have a repeat of what happened in Guam. Ooh, what happened in Guam? Who the hell is that? Uh, sir, this is Lola Spratt. She's Hi. a local doctor who will be helping us out. Oh, I know you. You're Benjamin Patton. You're the director of the CDC. Oh. You're on notice, McIntyre. <laughs> no, don't be sore. I just had a very similar thing happen with my boss. Was, uh. Wheels up. Let's roll out. Yeah, roll out if the wheels are already up. It's making sense. Chris, in your travels, you would have seen Children's Hospital. I have. That would be the show produced for Adult Swim, hosted, hosted, starring uh, Rob Corddry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this is the spin-off series from it. Now, Children's Hospital, <laughs> I was never really a huge fan of. It's fine. Yeah, no, I watched it a little bit, and yes, it's yeah. fine. I agree. I expect to like it more than I do every time I sit down to watch it, because I like everyone involved in it. Yes. But the show's never quite gelled for me. What has been missing, though, is a narrative structure that takes it through an entire season, because that's what Medical Police delivers us. So, Medical Police is the spin-off from Children's Hospital. It's not an adult swim show, rather it's been produced for Netflix. Right. But it starts at Children's Hospital. So, you see some of your favourite characters, like Rob Corddry there. Uh, This show features two of the characters from Children's Hospital. So, you've got the character of uh, Lola Spratt, played by Aaron Hayes. Okay, and Rob Hubel. 
uh, who plays the character Owen Maestro. And the two of them are solving a medical mystery that's taken place. There's a virus that's breaking out, and so they're traveling the globe trying to stop this from spreading. Excellent. Yeah. I'm sold. Anyway, it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is it a similar? Is it delivered in a similar way? Look, the sense of humor is exactly the same Excellent. as Children's Hospital. So if you like weirdo offbeat humor, okay, you're going to enjoy this. And one of the things that I think is probably really worth uh, watching it for is just the various guest stars that crop up. Now, while there's a lot of guest stars, I don't really want to l- say who they are because part of the fun of it is saying, "Oh, look, it's Jason Schwartzman on the screen." Who's in the second episode? Thanks, Dan. Sorry. I love getting a little bit of Jason Schwartzman surprise Easter egg in my show that now I'm not going to get. <laughs> yeah. I anyway. do love him. He's so good. Yeah. He's very funny. A lot of the faces you expect to see crop He's up. He's a drummer this. too. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Uh, Phantom Planner. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Dan. Mm. I apologize. <laughs> Derailing your... No, it's fine. I don't really want to say too much about it. No, I don't think you have to. Like, it's kind of like Curb Your Enthusiasm, where if you talk about it for 15 minutes, you just reveal all of the jokes. <laughs> Which we just did previously, so yeah. let's keep it to that. Uh, but Curb Your Enthusiasm is a known thing at this point. Like, yeah, and yeah. None, of those, none of those jokes will be made less funny. Yeah, there's, I, there's no sense of discovery. But probably one of the things that I wanted to talk about here is just that Rob Corddry is... He's not necessarily starring in this in the way he was with Children's Hospital, but he's back as a creator and you know writing episodes along with um, other people that were involved in children's hospital so david wayne for example mm-hmm. who i love david wayne projects uh he's like the wet hot american summer yeah you know, he's guys. excellent yeah they came together like a whole bunch of things uh so all the guys that have been involved in it previously are back doing it but one of the things that they actually wanted to make sure they had was to find out that a lot of the like storyline was actually being propelled by real narrative beats yeah right so if you took away all the jokes it still kind of holds as a thriller <laughs> yeah okay right. even though largely it's just a machine just to deliver a whole bunch of jokes along the way yeah yeah well that's yeah. perfect mm. uh okay i'm sold how do i watch it uh, uh, it's on netflix. netflix fantastic yeah so 10 episode first season all streaming now episodes are about half an hour it's more like about 20 minutes man you're yeah. talking my language it's good the other concern i had was that children's hospital was like a 10 12 minute show and i was concerned that stretch out that kind of humor over a 20 odd minute show is going to be hurting it it still works yeah fantastic yeah. It's good. But again, mileage will vary on this one because this is not a sense of humour for everyone. Um, fantastic. I yeah. mean... Indeed. Uh, Chris, <laughs> let's wind this out. Uh, you were watching a movie which is probably going to get us cancelled. What's going on? All right. I've watched Richard Pryor, um, Gene Wilder movie. I'm putting inverted commas. It's a movie. It was a theatrical release. <laughs> theatrical release. Stir crazy. I don't like it here anymore. I don't want to get out. Let's go. Let's go where there's some sunshine. Where there's human feelings between people, where there's a little tenderness and kindness, where the noise level is not so loud. You want to leave New York? Broadway? Huh? You love New York and Broadway? I got a call back on a new assignment for you. I'm actor and I'm going to stay in New York. That's right. Harry, you made $35 last year as an actor. I'm not saying How much you make as a playwright? I made nothing as a playwright. That's why I want to get out of this place. Let's go someplace. We can just head out west. We could grab our jobs along the way, build up a, a wonderful little nest egg, and then head for Hollywood. That's the place for you and me. Chris, I've never seen Stir Crazy. 
so I think I watched it because I think it's on. I'll have to double check before the thing runs out. It was. I think it's on Netflix. I don't know. I was. I was flicking around. I was looking for something old and classic to watch, and I was like, man, I've been really, you know, been reading a lot about Richard Pryor lately. Um, also, like, you know, I've read a lot about Gene Wilder. He was an interesting, interesting, very nice man uh, in his real life, apparently. Which yeah, is this kind is what of I've heard. Yeah, which is which. I don't know. It, it comes across, across as such a creepy weirdo. Okay, what's the one liner? What's this film about? <laughs> it's about. Uh, Rich Pryor, Gene Wilder, they get mistakenly uh, arrested for a robbery that they didn't commit and they bank go to robbery. jail. A bank robbery, yeah. Uh, and so they go to jail and then they have to just kind of get their way. That's, that's enough. There's, that's more do, than do you need. Do they escape from jail? Look, I'm not going to talk about the movie. What I'm going to talk <laughs> I'm going to talk that about the not fa- what we're here for. I'm going to talk about the fact that it exists. I'm going to talk about this weird time where you had these movies that were getting made with these very famous, very interesting comedians. Obviously, there was a lot of cocaine in Hollywood at this period, as if there isn't any more. Um, and obviously, you know, you kind of had a script and stuff, and you had these other things that you wanted to make happen. But really, you would just put these two people in front of a camera, let them do whatever they wanted, it seems. And then somebody, I guess, down the line would try and edit it together into a cohesive movie that kind of made sense. Uh, it's a fantastic, ridiculous, crazy thing to watch that really reminded me of a different time. In Hollywood and in our TV screens. So I, like, referenced it earlier. I had been watching the movie Stakeout the other day. Right, yes. So there's a scene in that movie where you've got Richard Drake. The premise of the movie is that police officers taking out a house where there's a young woman living and she's connected to a crime that's happened. Yes. So there's a sequence where Richard Dreyfus has snuck over into this young lady's house and she's he's hiding under the bed <laughs> because that's obviously where you end up in a <laughs> you know, riotous comedy like this. He's under the bed. She's just come home. She's gone into the shower. You know, he sees the underwear hit the floor. You know, that's going on. But while he's in the house, like, if that film was made in 2020, first of all, you're probably not seeing that scene, okay? (laughs) But if you are seeing that scene, you're not going to see what Richard Dreyfuss does in the scene, which is that he takes sneaky, sort of looks into the bathroom, sees what's going on. And this is the woman that becomes his love interest throughout the film as well. Okay, but it's just that creepy thing of, you know, we're going to just you know, capitalizing this woman's naked body as much as possible like through this. Like, it's, there's just something really off about it. It was, just, yeah. And then I also thought, like, earlier that day, I'd watched The Single Guy, which is a Steve Martin film from the early 80s. Sorry, The Lonely Guy. Yeah, yeah, The, the Lonely guy. guy, yeah, Not yeah. the Jonathan Silverman classic sitcom <laughs> from the mid-90s. The Lonely Guy. And that starts with uh, him coming home and finds his girlfriend in bed with another guy. And basically, she's not quite topless, but she's wearing like a see-through thing that, you know, it's, it's boobs ahoy. And that sort of thing made contextual sense for, we'll say, 84 when it <laughs> yeah. came out. Because that movies had that sort of thing going on. And yeah, I, yeah. You wouldn't find that today. And I went from that film to Stakeout, just watching these behaviors that you would not see today. Yeah. Okay. And something about Stir Crazy, because I didn't know you'd talk about this until just before we started the podcast. <laughs> How does it hold up with, like, current sort of values? Not even just think about it like being a woke sort of thing, uh, but just scenes like that, which are just kind of, they just feel gross. Look, I don't remember anything that was particularly exploitative in that regard. To that it. surprises me. It's, um, yeah, because I think it's more, well, I think they're both, they were, neither of them were really considered, uh, they, neither of them were sort of leading men kind of guys, like they were wacky, zany comedians, yeah. so it's more about just them doing... I mean, but they, I mean, we're, we're talking about Steve Martin in that context, who's exactly that guy as well. Exactly. But yeah, no, it was uh, definitely. Look, it's directed by Sidney Poitier. I just read. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, yes. And it cost uh, uh, ten million dollars to make, and a hundred million, and it made a hundred million dollars, which is pretty amazing, really, in the in the grand scheme of things, especially because mm. it's nonsense. Um, but yeah, no, it, I think 
I'd have to watch it again <laughs> to, to re- if I was going to really an- analyze it through those through that lens. But no, it doesn't have that sort of same thing. The movie that it most reminded me of, and this is going to be way off beat, um, but was the uh, but, but basically for the way that the two characters interact and how that comes across. As in that they're just kind of there, and there happens to be a movie happening around him. Schindler's List. No, um, I was going to say Stripes, which is uh, okay. Harold yeah. Ramis and um, Bill Murray. Bill Murray, right? And that's kind of like you can practically see the cocaine on uh, Harold Ramis's nose during the whole film. But it, but it has the same kind of thing where it's just two guys kind of goofing off that just happen to be in a movie, and so there's like plot points that happen around them and it's inconsequential. I mean, that was the comedy style of the time, though. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That era was very much about the wise guys facing off against the the man. And almost just being there for like... Yeah, yeah, but it, it's it's almost like the whole story and the plot of the movie is inconsequential. Well, all you're really seeing is the chemistry between these two uh, comedians or two actors. And I think that, um, you know, that is, that is why... Uh, Stir Crazy has endured um, probably a little bit more than some of the other Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor movies. You know uh, what I find interesting about Stir Crazy and just the idea that it endures? I remember like through the 80s going into like the early to mid 90s, Stir Crazy was one of those movies that used to be on all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's how always I on TV. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I don't remember people saying that they'd watched it on video. Like it was yeah. a TV yeah, like, classic, yeah, yeah. but it wasn't like a VHS classic. Yeah. Again, like maybe Australia is like a bit different to like elsewhere around the world. Like maybe in the US is more of a VHS classic, but it was just always on TV here. And because it stopped being played on TV, because yeah, no one's TV broadcasts fewer yeah. movies nowadays, and like fewer films like that. Yeah, like this is the first time I've heard anyone mention this movie in like some time. <laughs> well, I know, and that's and I wanted to kind of well, and that was what piqued my interest in it as well. I was just like, you know, these guys are both extremely massive talents. Who, when you look back over their career, it's really kind of awesome to. Uh, think about all the stuff they did but then you've got like and and this is one of the movies i think that's always been held in pretty high regard for both of them and it's just nonsense but it's entirely watchable and very entertaining okay so you're recommending it i'm absolutely recommending everybody watch stir crazy okay you're gonna hate it but i'm still gonna (laughs) recommend it i'm definitely curious about giving it a look because i remember quite liking that partnership when i was a kid yeah they're so good i mean it's just yeah it's fantastic to watch them together okay so we've talked about four things Mm -hmm. we've talked about from the beginning uh i i talked about little america that's on apple tv plus Mm -hmm. um i also talked about medical police which is on netflix Mm -hmm. you talked about curb your enthusiasm which is on uh hbo slash oh is it on hbo in the us fox Fox still here has it already aired yep i I think made the comedy channel screen up oh yep cool yeah and uh stir crazy on i'll just check should i check possibly on netflix while you're looking that up Okay, we thought maybe we'd just wind out this conversation with a very brief chat because it's not an always be watching podcast without 55 minutes at the end talking about The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I apologize for that. Hash- uh, hashtag no regrets. Now, Chris, big news this week, which is that um, Hank Azaria has decided that he's no... Well, he's made some sort of comment somewhere saying that he'll no longer be voicing a poo. Yes. We don't know what the actual situation is because there's no official comment coming out of Fox or The Simpsons about this. No. But it seems like this is something that's actually happening. Yes. So we don't know if it's going to be a different voice actor taking over. We don't know exactly how this has come about. But complete speculation. Why do you think this is coming about? Look, I think that uh, the conversation has been very loud. I think that uh, Hank Zaria definitely wears the... um, the responsibility for the voice being that he's done it for so long. Yeah. And I think and that... we should say, he seems like he's an okay guy. Absolutely. And he seems... And he's handled it all very... Like, a lot better yeah. than I think Al Jean and some of the other people have handled it, which has been very defensively and very kind of, like... Uh, you know, n- not not necessarily 
as as well. Anyway, I'll just leave it at that. Um, I, but, I want to get to that in a sec. But. Yeah, yeah. But I think uh, you know, I think he's been very interested about it. I think you know what what I've read from him from right back at the from the when the first. Um, uh, conversation started happening about the documentary. Uh, you know, he was basically like, "Look, if people are being, if people are really being bullied and like feel like shit about themselves because of this character, that's not cool, and that's not something I want to be a part of anymore. And mm. we need to talk about, you know, I want to have a conversation about how that pans out in the future. You know, and especially since I think Hank Azaria is as big a part of the uh, Simpsons as um, any of the, the five leads, and um, across other characters as well. You know, he's a he's a Massive part of it, he would be a massive loss. If Has he, been from the beginning, from the very beginning. And if he was to if he was to leave altogether, that would be a really big hole in the um you know the the show. So for him to be able to, I think, to take the lead on that conversation is really cool that he's done it. And I think it'll be really interesting how it pans out. Um, what I find fascinating about the whole thing, and the reason I sort of wanted to bring it up, is that. You know, we're seeing a lot of these conversations, especially with the Disney Plus, a lot of the Disney Plus stuff going online that has uh, outdated cultural references is a very mm-hmm. politically correct way to talk about something that's no longer politically correct. So you're talking about when you load up Disney Plus, you'll see a little like banner on like the blurb about the show that'll yeah. say uh, things are outside it, it, of the It puts context. up like a splash screen, right? Like it, it doesn't put out a splash screen. No, it's I just when you look at the synopsis, it's, a, oh, it's, it's synopsis. a little line on there. Because I noticed it on a couple of things that I wasn't even, that I was kind of like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Because I, I, it's not just the really obvious things they've obviously put a bit of care into where they do that but yet they're still you know it's still available there that's a whole other different conversation but this i I really feel like the simpsons is the only thing because of its freakishly long run where the 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 sort of uh it's having to adapt to this in actual real time like we're not looking back retrospectively and going like oh should we you know um for very obvious good reasons remove the michael jackson episode from the air which has been done and i think you know that's a uh, that was a good decision made by the made by the producers of the show. Considering yeah. we, we should say a name as well, Al Jean was one of the people who said, "Let's pull this episode." And uh, yeah, that's right. Al Jean yeah. was responsible. Because I, I want to get back because you were saying that you know Al Jean and everyone hadn't really been that responsive. What I think you need to keep in mind as well is that Al Jean and the other producers aren't necessarily just the producers of the show that's currently being broadcast. No, of course. But they've obviously been part of the show for you know thirty pretty years, much like the entire run yeah. of the show, more or less, with the exception. Their whole most of, of their professional years, lives. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, like, they've been part of this, but also they're not just running a show where they're creating scripts and putting it to wear, but also they're maintaining the employment of a whole lot of people involved in this. Sure. They were running the show at a time where Fox was being purchased by Disney and there was lots of reorganization as to where things are going. The Simpsons, despite the fact it's been a part of our lives for so long, there's no guarantee that show continues on because sure, the possibility Dan. of it is reaching that point now where- Dan. No, no, but this is the thing. Like, of course, of course. I mean, it's later so. in life now, and you yeah. know, the show isn't the financial windfall that it you know, used to sort of create for the company. So I think they're in a position where they just need to manage it as carefully as possible. Yeah, sure. And during this time of change and also getting to know who new management is and feeling your way through that, I think basically all the comments they made and all the efforts they did to try to quell the conversation where they could was really just for that, to try to just limit the amount of conversation about it until they're in a position where they could actually make some political activity to shift things around. So I think I would be surprised considering that these are all sort of very well-educated liberal people that make the show. Yeah. Okay. It'd be hard to really say that these aren't sort of people who probably share values with yourself to a pretty significant sort of way. I'd be very surprised to think that they're sitting back going, hey, look, you know, screw these guys. We're going to keep up putting this racist character out there. I think part of it is that they're trying to maintain the status quo for as long as they can until they can 
like work out how they can shift it. I, I just think it all came at a very specific time where sure. I don't think it's quite as easy to respond to. And the other thing I'd say is that I think when you've been creating this thing for a while, as they have been, like your back's probably against the wall a little bit when suddenly you just get like this entire wave of people just talking about how racist you are. Yeah, yeah. Coming at you with a thing that seemed perfectly fine from their perception a couple of years prior. Like it just sort of hits. I can imagine them feeling like a little bit sort of- Defensive. Defensive about it. But ultimately, I think, you know, they just needed some time to... Well, they probably should have taken that time and not been so defensive up front. (laughs) But anyway, uh, no, I take on board what you're saying and I I can concede to some of that. But also, keep in mind production time as well, which is that maybe they actually took care of this quite a while ago. Well, that's one of the things, right? So, Apu had been sort of, uh, not phased out, but he'd been getting used less and less and less. And obviously, I think Mm. that was even happening before the documentary. And I think that was something that they were becoming increasingly aware of. Um, So, I think think that uh yeah i mean i i don't want to speculate about what will happen because yeah. i think it'd be interesting but uh, yeah i oh, guess it. and i also don't want to come across like i'm just defending sort of wealthy hollywood guys. no 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 but I- i'm just thinking that there's things that we're not really privy to and i, I just think there's other organizational and considerations to be made yeah, yeah, from their sure. position why they've done what they've done yeah sure uh, and obviously hangers areas felt like it's the right time to bring it up because obviously there are conversations happening and you know i, I would assume that he's a bit more uh privy to that kind of stuff than everyone else um um, but yeah, just the idea that they're having to, you know, it's just another unique thing about The Simpsons where they're having to evolve this uh, sort of level of standards based on the, uh, you know, the political climate, which is completely unique. I can't think of anything else that has to do that in such a way with with such a, you know, solid uh, universe with laws and things that they have to kind of obey, especially in the animated world where you're always resetting and you're trying to get back to that exact point where nothing changed at the end of every episode you know it makes it really difficult so yes it'll be very interesting to see how that pans out over the uh, next uh, little while and what is the, is the future of Apu yeah absolutely now Chris it is time for us to hang up our headphones put our microphones back in the stand so sad and walk off as this cold dark night uh, thanks for having me on the podcast again Dan no thank you for having me on the podcast <laughs> I love it yeah uh, we'll be back next week doing more of this yep uh, I won't talk about The Simpsons unless something significant happens, which it definitely will. It probably will. Yeah. <laughs> it is the most vital conversation that we're having in 2020. Uh, this has been Always Be Watching. Check us out on the web, alwaysbewatching.com. There's a daily newsletter there. There's social media groups. There's a Facebook. There's a Reddit. There's a Twitter account. You can find it easily enough. If you enjoy this podcast, share it with people you know. Like Hit that share button on your podcast app. Let people know the podcast exists and that they should watch it. Or listen to it. <laughs> however, however you choose to consume it, it's up to you. You can watch it as well. It's fine. Uh, and we'll be back next week. Indeed. Catch you then.